Hello and welcome. I'm Richard from the Veg Grab Podcast, a podcast where I share my journey growing food in my allotment and garden based in Littlehampton, West Sussex on the south coast of the UK. Today is the 15th of October 2018 and this is episode 190. Today I will be talking about seed saving and this is a subject that came about from an email from a listener. But I'll get into that later on in the podcast. And of course, before that section, we have what the Garden Days calendar suggests to do for this next week. And of course, before that, we have the diary where I discuss what I've been doing over this last week. Now, in this intro section, I was going to ask everyone to check out a video that Muddy Boots put out last week. Asking for a bit of help, a bit of support for a charity organisation he he helps out a lot. Well, um, over the weekend there were some developments made, so it's left me in a bit of a difficult position. Uh, if you want to find out more, check out Muddy Boots on the YouTube channel. I'll add links to his uh, YouTube channel, but well worth checking out anyway. He's a gr- great videos he makes anyway. Anyway, let's get on with the diary. So Tuesday, I popped to the allotment after work. The plan was to pop there and just do a little bit of weeding and a bit of painting in the shed. And while this was achieved, I was really enjoying being on the allotment. In fact, just being in the shed. And I spoke about the shed last week. And I said then, one of the things I wanted to do was somewhere so I can just sit down and enjoy having a cuppa. Well, I did that. And I enjoyed it so much, I even started a live video on Instagram. Now, I know Alicia joined in for that, and it was a bit of an experiment, to be honest. Something I do want to do a bit more of uh, in the future. I'm not sure whether to go on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or all three. Um, any preferences from listeners, I'd be much appreciated. But it was it was an interesting experiment anyway. Now, Wednesday, I was at home in the evening and I checked on my saffron bulbs. Now, as you know, I grow saffron bulbs in pots and these naturally need weeding from time to time. And that was what I set out to do. But I noticed that some of these bulbs had started to flower and these flowers had opened fully, which meant it was time to pick the saffron. Now, saffron is a crocus that flowers in the autumn. It has some rather lovely purple flowers. Within these flowers are three strands of red or orange stigma. Well, these stigma are the saffron spice. So I delicately removed the strands of saffron. And I've placed these on a plate in the kitchen window to dry out. Now, at this point, I actually only had two flowers, so that was only six strands of saffron, and that's not a huge amount. And I I certainly could not weigh it for the weekly harvest report, but um, as I build up the saffron, I weigh it all in one go, I think. Friday, I popped to the allotment after work with some horse manure. And I filled up another bed. Now I wanted to do this so that on Sunday when I was going to the allotment, 
it was done and I didn't have to worry about it. Now, of course, while I was there, I did have a quick check on everything and made some mental notes of some tasks that I wanted to do over the weekend. Then when I got home after this, I had a package arrive and I knew what it was before I opened it. It was something I ordered from an Instagrammer. And it was a little notebook called a Food Grower's Journal and Planner by Zoe's Garden Prince. Now I'll add the links of course for this uh, in this week's show notes. And I, I saw this book advertised on her Instagram and I liked the idea of it as I've spent a long time trying to find the ideal notebook for a food grower such as myself. And this book cost me £9.40, which is possibly a little pricey for what is a fairly small book. But it is an artisan, so you are paying for that, of course. I also don't think she could get it any cheaper, not without mass marketing. Now, the book itself is actually a well-thought-out book, reminiscent of a kind of notebook that we would have at school. Contained inside is an area to draw a plan of the garden, this to grow over the next year, and a planner for sowing, planting, harvesting, etc. Then each month, an area to write a to-do list and take notes of what you found out over the month. Now, overall, it's not a bad notebook, but... I've got a lot of ideas for garden notebooks that this is missing. And one thing I, I feel that would be very, very good for any gardening notebook would be for it to be waterproof. Now, I feel if I'm out in the garden, we're outside. So it makes more sense for it to be waterproof. Sunday, and I went to the allotment in the morning and I started out by lighting up my barbecue so I could cook up some pastrami that I had prepared. With the pastrami cooking, I finally planted out my garlic. And this was elephant garlic and five standard garlic varieties, which are early purple white, germinal, Casablanca, very early white and bohemian white. Now this planting process will actually be on tomorrow's YouTube video. So um, I've spoken about growing garlic in a previous podcast and if you want to hear that I'll link to that of course in the show notes but I don't don't feel I need to repeat myself on this one anyway I got all my garlic in and into one bed which I was really pleased about because I thought I was going to need to go into my onion bed a bit more and I had quite a few garlics to plant so uh, yeah I wasn't I was surprised to get it all in one bed. Now after the garlic was in, I turned my attention to my tomato plants. And my tomatoes this year have been a bit of a mess if I'm honest. I planted them too close together for one thing and I didn't tile them in to the cane enough. Which resulted in the plants basically sprawling all over the place and just looking very messy. And this also made harvesting very, very tricky because I couldn't get in there to harvest anything. As the tomatoes are now coming to the end of the season, I have decided I was just cut them down and get rid of them. 
And that's what I started doing. I worked my way through them. I've chopped about half of all the plants that I had there. And I've removed any tomatoes I still had there that were good. Now, even if they were green, the green tomatoes, of course, can still be used for green tomato chutney or just left in a window to ripen. Um, I only got through about half of these tomato plants because by that point I kind of had enough. I've, I can sometimes get quite bored of doing tedious tasks, so I like to mix it up a bit. There's nothing worse than getting bored and then forcing yourself to carry on. It's meant to be a pleasure. So I have this rule that if I get too frustrated, I'll stop and find another job. So I raked over various areas, clearing up any uh, weeds and stuff and hoed other empty beds. And it actually it's starting to tidy up quite nicely. There's still a long way to go on the allotment. And I, personally, I'm not the tidiest person at all. And I, I can accept that. Um, I'm pretty messy, if I'm honest. Anyway, my pastrami was ready so I could eat eat that along with a cuppa and then I headed home for the evening. And this brings the diary up to date. So we, we, we want to go over my harvests. And well, last week I didn't get the weekly harvest report out. So last night's weekly harvest report was for the last two weeks. And we've had lots of chicken eggs. Tomatoes, potatoes, herbs, salad leaves. Of course, the saffron, I didn't add to this list, but that could be in there. But yeah, I mean, the harvests are slowing down. Oh, I had cabbage as well. Oh, I forgot that. But yeah, the harvests are slowing down. That's not the end of the world. We've got plenty of food that we've put into storage in the freezer. So we're not going hungry. It's just a guess I need to think more about this time of year for next year on making sure I've got food available. I know it can be done because there's uh, many people out there who are doing it. Well, this brings the diary section up to the end. Let's have let's go on to the calendar. So the calendar reads, as well as making ideal compost, fallen leaves can also be used to protect tender plants such as Nipophia and Agapanthus, which need a little extra protection during severe winters. Place a 15cm 6-inch layer around the base of the plants, leaving the tops uncovered if they are still green. Well, yeah, in my opinion, leaves are really a fantastic natural protection from many plants. It insulates the ground a bit like a blanket, which is also why I see hedgehogs picking the leaves to take back to their home for them. Now, of course, leaves also make that amazing leaf mould, which is just a fantastic for any garden. Uh, although, because it rots down so much, I do find you need huge quantities of it to make it last but if they're available then it's not too bad (music) 
So yes, as I said in the intro, I received an email from Rob. And I will read out his email, and then we'll go through each of his questions in this main section. Now his email reads, I am wondering what you do with some seeds of the plants you harvest. Do you keep squash or tomato seeds or buy fresh each year? Another thing that I'm curious about as I am planning for the next year is which vegetables provide the highest yields. My tomatoes have been great, but plants like Crown Prince squash only produce one fruit. But a nice one it is. I would like to hear your thoughts. Sorry I don't get in touch via Facebook. I hope email is fine. There's quite a few questions there and actually some really, really great, interesting questions. I do love getting questions for some reason. Now, I shall start with the seeds and actually seed saving is I do try to do a bit of. Um, I think it's a really good idea for saving, you know, especially seed varieties that may be lost because they're not used, which is why heritage or heirloom seeds have proven to be so popular. Now, in fact, in February each year, I go to a seed swapping event in, nearby in Brighton called Seedy Sunday. And that is very much about swapping seeds that other gardeners have managed to save and want to share. And I also believe that seed saving has been a skill that we've kind of lost in modern in the modern day, where it's so easy to pop to a garden centre or online and order seeds that we want. That being said, there are some that I do save some seeds of, and garlic is actually a very fitting example of this. Um, I save garlic every year. Uh, the elephant garlic and the early purple white varieties that I spoke of in the diary section, I've been saving the biggest bulbs of those for a few years now. The Germador and the Casablanca, uh, they I first grew those last year, but I have deci- I decided to save the largest bulbs again to repeat and sow this year. Now. Garlic is really easy to save from. Uh, Basically, when I harvest the bulbs in July, August time, I save the biggest bulbs. And then I replant the cloves in September, October time. Now, my my kind of idea here is that not only is this saving me money, it's also making that, that bulb that has grown its biggest pass on its genes so that the, the the cloves that will grow into bulbs again have those genes. And these genes have basically tailored themselves to the growing conditions that I have, which means basically the bulbs are more and more suited to my climate, my soil, my growing conditions and my growing style. Now, I did say garlic is by far one of the easiest to save seeds from. Now, I also save some squash seeds, particularly pumpkins. And these are, again, really simple to save seeds from. And I just simply scoop out all the seeds from the squash, give them a really, really good wash and clear away all the little bits of stringy flesh that surrounds the seeds. And that will leave you with quite a few seeds. Uh, you Again, give them a wash. You want them really, really clean. 
And once they're cleaned, I like to pat them dry. And then I'll just leave them on a, a plate with a bit of towel or something in a bit of a window seal for a few days just to dry completely. And once they've got to that really dry stage, they will then go into an envelope that I've labelled until it's time to sow them. Bean seeds are another one I save. And this could be French beans, runner beans, boar beans, pretty much any beans. And peas for this example as well. They're all done in exactly... Excuse me, sorry. They've all done it in exactly the same way. And they're very, very simple as well. Um, what I like to do is I'll have a couple of plants that are purposely grown for saving seeds. So I don't harvest any edibles from these. And the reason I say that is that a plant as it is growing, it, um, its purpose is, of course, to spread its seed. When we harvest beans and peas, we're actually harvesting them a bit young. They're not quite at that seed stage, which means that when we take them off, the plant will say, I'm not quite done yet. So it'll put out flowers to reproduce and carry on. Now, if we leave the uh, the bean or the pea on the plant to go very, very dry, the, the outer shell will go crispy dry uh, that is kind of the plant say replicating what is would happen in nature it's trying to spread its seed so if you leave it to that point it's not going to pot out flowers it will say my work is done and that is what we want to do when we are saving seed from beans and peas get them to that nice crispy outer shell stage then, then I'll pick them off and crumble the outer shell into a bowl and try and pick out all the seeds. Uh, it's pretty easy to do, to be honest. Beans are quite large, as are peas. They're quite large and they're easy to spot, so they're not, not hard at all. And then again, um, once they're picked out from the hard outer shell, the dry outer shell... Pop them into envelopes and save them until next year. Tomato seeds. I I have saved tomato seeds, but I've not had a huge amount of luck with them. They're, they're tricky in a, their own way. Um, to save tomato seeds, what you've got to do is you've got to scoop out the seeds from the inside of the tomatoes and then place them into a jar and cover with water. After a few days, they will basically ferment and the mould will develop. And this is basically the jelly covering the seed breaking down. Now at this point, uh, I will empty the jar through a sieve and then just pick out the seeds which will now not be in their jelly covering they would just look like normal seeds uh, again give them a good wash and dry them on tissue paper uh, a few days in the windowsill and again store the seeds into an envelope now so far that is my seed saving experience there's there's more I could save and I want to practice more of this seed saving because I do think it is quite an important thing.
So each year I am adding something else that I'm saving. This year I want to save some potatoes and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that yet, but that is something I think would be worth saving. Now I'm also going to add that once my seeds are in envelope, I then place them in an old dead freezer that a fridge will do as well that's in my shed and the reason I do this is that in there it remains a constant temperature and they're also pretty vermin proof inside a fridge so that's what I do and it works for me now Rob's next question was about higher yielding plants and now this is really actually a very, very good question, although it's a very complicated question to answer. The reason I say it's complicated is because high yielding for me may not be what's high yielding for you. And this is due to different climates, soils, growing conditions. Well, the list can go on. Uh, there is also factors such as in some years, a particular vegetable vegetable will do well or and in other years it will do poorer. This year, for example, it's been a good year for tomatoes, uh, my personal experience as well as Rob's. But potatoes have been a pretty poor yields due to the long dry summer we had. So that that kind of makes it difficult to work out exactly what is a good vegetable or good yielding vegetable the only the only way i i kind of figure out what does well for me is to call on experience and i i tend to say or take note of what i feel has done well in particular years and keep growing it that's also why i grow lots of different varieties so i can compare and see what does well and what doesn't also, having different varieties, if it's a bad year, you may find that one does better than the other, whereas the next year, the, uh, the one that done poor will do better in that year. It, it, it's all, That's why I like growing different varieties. But working out what to grow for the next year, well, again, I tend to see what has done well for me in this previous year and in previous years. Record keeping is actually pretty pretty good at working this out. Um, I've, this year I've been recording my harvests and sharing those in the weekly harvest report. Uh, and that for me has been a really, really good way of keeping a record of what is doing well. The pumpkins the, that I've grown this year have done exceedingly well the rather large size um i think the giant atlantic have been really really good for the size of the pumpkins so i'll be growing those again next year although i'm saving seeds from those now in rob's email he mentioned he only got one crown prince squash well the advice with squashes anyway, or particularly these type of squashes, is to only have two or the most on them. 
I mean, if you're growing huge pumpkins, then you would only have one. So to get one at pump, one crown prince squash isn't a bad result at all. And you probably only get two on the plant anyway. And any more than that, then the yields of the squash actually suffer because they'll try and grow too big. I know I'm probably really not so answering your question here because it's a really, really difficult one. Um, But yeah, as I say, call on your experience. Keeping notes really helps. As I say, the weekly harvest report has been a really good source of forcing me to keep notes of what what does well. And I've got a listener and fellow podcaster, Steve, from Steve's Seaside Life. Uh, He always uh, contributes on the weekly harvest report with what he's harvested as well. And it's been really, really interesting. I mean, he always gets fantastic results. Um, I think his average is about £200 worth of value a week. And a couple of weeks ago, he had a £400 a week. So that sharing these weekly harvest reports have been a good way to see yields so please please contribute with that and we can kind of get this information being shared with everyone which is what i kind of really want to do now steve i'm actually hoping to get on the podcast in the future it's been over a year since i've had him on and we discussed the finance side of it but i'm hoping towards the end of this year to get him back on and we'll go over both of our harvests for the year and and get discussions on that so that if steve's up for it of course will be one to listen out for now on rob's final point um about contact me through email not facebook i don't mind how you contact me at all I use Facebook mostly because that's where everybody seems to be. Um, I've got pretty much every other media out there available as well. But Facebook, well, I've been running a competition on the Facebook group only because Facebook seems to be the place that people will talk on. For example, when I started the Grow podcast, .co.uk I had to have a forum up there right from the very beginning for this very reason that Rob says he didn't want to go through Facebook well the whole five years that 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 forum's been up there the amount of posts I've had or genuine posts I should say I've had more than a few weeks in the Facebook group so Facebook Love it or hate it, it does have some good bonuses. That being said, I'm not going to get rid of any other way you can contact me. You can go through Facebook, Twitter, email, Pigeon for all I care if you want to contact me. I I really do enjoy being contacted. But with that, I will change the competitions. Now you've kind of mentioned it. And basically, anybody that contacts me or posts in the groups or forums each week, your name will go into a hat and one winner will win. And that's a pack of seeds each week. So that's slightly changed up. And I've gone off topic slightly there, but that's because I'm coming to the end of this podcast. I'm going to, before I close up, I should announce the winner from this week. And that goes to Ian again. 
Now, actually, Ian put up a gardening crossword in the group, and it's really great. It's got a lot of us trying to think of how to answer the clues and solve the crossword. So um, really great participation there, Ian. I really like the thinking there. Great stuff. So that just about wraps everything up for this week. And if you want to get in touch... You can go through all the social media outlets that are out there. The veg, just search for the Veg Grab Podcast. Or you can email me, Richard at the uk. You can visit my website, the uk. And with that, thank you very much for listening. Please take care, and I will see you again next time. <laughs>